In this video, we're going over the secondary channels like the sinew channels, the lull connecting channels, the divergent channels, and the eight extraordinary channels. So if you are taking an acupuncture 101 course, this is what the second lecture would look like. But again, this is probably going to be another long one. So let's go ahead and get started. So we went through the first video, we introduced the term Jing Luo, the channel network. We said the Jing are like the vertical channels that go up and down. The Luo are like the horizontal channels that go side to side. And this creates a web or a network of channels over the body. Well, when we talked about the Jing Luo, we said the Jing are like the primary channels or the main channels. And kind of when we say the main channels or the primary channels, that's sort of implying that there are other channels that are not the main channels. There are other channels that are the secondary channels. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the secondary channels that exist above and below the primary channels. So we look at these secondary channels. It turns out we're not just dealing with the Jing Lo or not just dealing with the primary channels. We have a whole bunch of other channels that exist at various depths above and below the primary channels. So we have things like the cutaneous regions. These are just regions of skin on the surface of the body. Below that we have the minute collaterals. These are like capillaries that supply chi and blood to the tissues. We have the sinew channels or the tendinomuscular meridians. These are the muscles, ligaments, and tendons that hold the bones together and let us move. We have the lul connecting channels, like we said, the horizontal channels in the body. We have the uh, below that the primary channels, the jing, the vertical channels in the body. But then even deeper than that, we have the divergent channels that separate from the primary channels and dive deep. Even deeper than that, we have the eight extraordinary channels that act like reservoirs of chi and blood deep in the body. And then even deeper, we have the deep pathways that are not really mapped out, but we, but we acknowledge that there are other channels or pathways that are deeper than even the eight extraordinary channels. So this is what we're talking about today is these other secondary channels that make up the entire channel network or channel system. So maybe we should start by going back and reviewing what were the functions of the channels or what are the functions of the channel system. So remember we said that number one, the channels connect the body, balance and harmonize the various aspects of the body and render the body an integrated whole. So the channels and network vessels were like a web that holds the body together. So instead of thinking of these separate parts like the organs and the tissues and its structures, the channel system is like a series of fiber optic cables that connects everything together. So the channel system brings us into one whole. So we're connecting up above and below, we're connecting right and left, we're connecting the exterior to the interior, we're connecting the channels to the organs, we're connecting the organs to each other. The channel system serves as this connective stuff that makes the body an integrated whole. But beyond just connecting everything, we also said the channels are like a distribution system, that the channels distribute chi and blood to every part of the body to nourish those tissues. So just like in 
Western anatomy and physiology, we have a circulatory system made up of blood vessels that distributes nutrients and oxygen to every tissue in the body. Well, in TCM, we have a series of channels that supply chi and blood to every tissue in the body. So if your tissue wants to stay alive, it has to somehow get chi and blood distributed to it. And so it's these various channels in our channel system that distribute and circulate that chi and blood. We also said that the channels protect the body, protect the body from harm. And really this means two things. On the one hand, we could say that the channels are protecting the body from blunt trauma. Say I get, I fall and hurt my knee or I get hit in the head with a baseball. We can also say that the channels are protecting the body from exterior pathogens. So when we have this evil chi, the xie chi of the environment trying to attack the body, our channels are there to help ward it off and protect us from those pathogens getting deeper to the interior of the body. The channels also respond to dysfunction in the body. On the one hand, we can use this diagnostically. Uh, we can say that um, if there's something going on, if we have a, some disharmony, something going on the, in the organs, this will get reflected in the channels so, so that we can palpate the channels. We can feel for changes in temperature. We can look for changes in color. We can uh, press on the channels and say, oh, it's really tight on this channel or it's kind of loose and flaccid on this channel, that those channels will reflect disease or disharmony in other parts of the body. But then this is also used treatment-wise, that when there's something going on in the, uh, in the body or in the channels, the channels will send chi to that area in the course of treatment. And so that gets to our next one. The channels transmit chi to the diseased area. And this is what we're doing when we do an acupuncture treatment. We're needling certain areas in order to circulate or get that chi to the diseased area so a healing state can take place. So as we go through and look at all of these secondary channels, we're going to see how these secondary channels relate or contribute to these various functions of the channel system. So that's what we're going to go through. And maybe before we do that, we should kind of make a little bit of a disclaimer that, first of all, this is meant to be an introduction to those secondary channels that here, if you're just starting out on your acupuncture journey, here we're just trying to introduce a few terms so that in the next couple of weeks, as we start going through the channels and the point functions, that when certain terms come up, you'll know what they mean. So this is just kind of an introduction. This isn't going to be an in-depth of how do we treat the sinew channel? What kind of signs and symptoms do we see for a divergent channel? How do we treat the divergent channel? Those are things that come much later, sometimes years later. For now, we're just trying to introduce these things so that you have some concept of them as we move forward in the acupuncture curriculum. And so what this also means is, if any of this seems like really confusing and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, that's totally normal. This is just one of those things where we're introducing it first, so it's going to be very confusing. But then as you get through your channels and points classes, we'll start to give examples of all of these channels, so it will start to make more sense. And if at this point you're like, 
what what is this? What good is this? Why do I need to know this? That's, again, something we'll get to later, that later down the line, we'll start talking about these channels in terms of diagnosis and treatment. How do I treat the divergent channel? How do I know that one of the eight extraordinary channels is diseased and what do I do about it? That comes later. For now, we're just going to discuss some basic functions of these secondary channels. So as long as you know that the sinew channels connect the hundred bones or that the divergent channels supply chi and blood to the face or that the eight extraordinary channels are reservoirs of chi and blood, that's probably going to be good enough for now. So that's where we're going with this, with this discussion of the secondary channels. So again, here are channels from superficial to deep. And so instead of going from top to bottom, we could go the most superficial is the skin, the cutaneous regions, and go down. We're actually going to start at the middle and work our way out. So we're going to start with the primary channels. Remember what we said before, the primary channels are like the jing. They're the vertical up and down channels. And these are probably the most important channels because these are the channels where the points are located. And so these are the ones that we're probably going to pay the most attention to because this is where we locate the acupuncture points. So here, as an example, this is a picture of the hand tie-in lung channel, the hand tie-in lung primary channel. And so you can see, like we said, when you look at this picture, we have a bunch of dots. Those are the points. That's where we stick the needles. And then we have a line connecting the dots, and that's the channel. And so maybe something extra we should pay attention to here is when we look at this picture, on the one hand, we have a solid line going up the arm, but then we have a dotted line in the middle. So what's happening here is it turns out um, the solid line, that's where the points are. Uh, so we have lung 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. But that solid line where the points are is called the superficial pathway or external pathway of the channel. The dotted line is the interior pathway of the channel. So even when we're just talking about the primary channels, we kind of have two separate levels. We have a superficial or external part of the channel, and we have an interior, slightly deeper part of the channel. And this is what I want to talk about uh, in this section. Because normally when people study channels and points, they just pay attention to the superficial or external pathway. But it turns out when we're learning these channels, we definitely need to know the pathway of the interior part of the channel. So like we said, um, the external pathways, that's that solid line right there, are the superficial parts of the 12 primary channels, and this is where the acupuncture points lie. So each channel, we're talking about lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, heart, SIUB, kidney, pericardium, sandra, gallbladder, liver. Each of the 12 channels has an external portion of the channel. But each of these channels also has an internal pathway, which is the deep portion of the channel that enters into the body cavities. Once this internal pathway enters there, it can do sorts of cool stuff where it connects to various organs and tissues. So one thing we should say about the interior pathway is every channel has an interior pathway that connects to its own organ and to its yin-yang pair. So every channel is connected to its own organ and its yin-yang pair 
through the internal pathways. So here we have the lung channel. It has an interior pathway that connects to the lung, which is its own organ. And it has, and that interior pathway also connects to the large intestine, which is its yin-yang pair. And this is true for all of the channels. So the spleen channel connects to the spleen organ, but it also connects to the stomach organ through its interior pathway. The gallbladder channel connects to the gallbladder organ. It also connects to the liver, its yin-yang pair, through its internal pathway. So this is kind of an important function of these internal pathways. But besides just connecting to yin-yang paired organs, sometimes these internal pathways connect to other organs and other tissues and this is what we want to pay attention to because when these internal pathways connect to these other organs and other tissues that's a sign that the points on this channel can have an effect on those organs and tissues so when we get into our acupuncture points class and we start going through all the 12 channels we're going to learn the internal pathways of the channel and one of the things we want to pay attention to is what organs and tissues does this channel connect to? Because what that's going to do for us is it's going to explain and help us understand the functions of certain points along the channel that may not otherwise make sense. So like when we use the lung channel as an example, besides connecting to the lung organ and the large intestine organ, we can see that this internal pathway also connects to the stomach. And that's gonna tell us that there are points on this lung channel that have an effect on the stomach. So lung one, zhong fu, has an action of calming rebellious stomach chi. And so normally, if you just looked at the pathway on the arm, you'd be like, well, lung one starts here, lung 11 ends here, how does it get to the stomach? Well, the answer is through its internal pathway. We can also see up here that the lung channel connects to the throat. So this is a very important part of the lung channel. So we're gonna have points like lung 10 is very good for treating sore throat. So again, if you were just looking at the external channel, starting at the shoulder and going down to the thumb, you'd be like, how does this channel treat the throat? Well, the reason lung 10 can treat the throat is because of the internal pathway does go to the throat. So that's what we need to know about the internal pathways. And that's why it's important to pay attention to these. A lot of times when people go through, they just want to know the locations of the points. But in order to really understand the functions of those points and how we can use those points in treatment, we need to also be aware of these internal pathways, the internal pathways of the primary channels. So here we have another example. This is a small intestine channel. See we have that solid line is the external or superficial pathway of the small intestine channel. Starts at the pinky, goes up the arm, zigzags around the shoulder. So this is a uh, really good for like uh, rotator cuff issues and then goes up to the face. But we can also see from this dotted line that there's an internal pathway that connects to its own organ and its yin-yang pair. So the small intestine channel connects to the small intestine organ and the heart organ via its internal pathway. But it also connects to the stomach organ. So that's something we should take note of. And then we can see there's some extra branches up here that we have internal pathways that connect to the eyes and wrap around the ear. And so that tells us when we start to look at the functions of the small intestine points, 
we're going to see some points that are good for the eyes and good for the ears, like ringing in the ears, deafness, tinnitus. And so the reason we can affect those areas is because we have an internal pathway that goes to those tissues. So that's why we need to know the internal pathways of the primary channels. So that's just something we want to mention about the primary channels that Yes, these are the most important channels probably. These are the channels that we study the most because that's where the acupuncture points actually are. However, we still need to know those interior pathways. So after the primary channels, we're actually going to move up a level into the Luo connecting channels, the Luo connecting channels. So again, in our first video, we talked about the Jing Luo, the channel network or the channel network vessels. And so this is the other half of the Jing Luo. The Jing are the primary channels that go up and down. The Luo connecting channels are the horizontal channels that form this web. So here we have an example of a Luo connecting channel. It's kind of hard to see because it's just uh, out here in the hand. It starts kind of by the wrist and goes into the thumb. This is the lung Luo connecting channel. And so... It turns out that each of the primary channels has its own Luo connecting channel. So there's a lung Luo connecting channel, a large intestine Luo connecting channel, a stomach Luo connecting channel, a spleen Luo connecting channel, heart Luo, and so on. Each of the 12 channels has its own Luo connecting channel associated with it. So we can say that the Luo connecting channels branch out from the primary channel and are distributed superficially over the body. So again, each channel has its own Luo connecting channel that branches off from the primary channel and the Luo channels are a little bit more superficial. They're a little bit more above the primary channels in terms of depth. So Luo connecting channels strengthen the connection between internally and externally paired channels and organs. So when we talk about Luo connecting channels, what do they connect? They connect yin and yang paired channels and organs. So technically, according to the textbooks, when we look at Deadman and Machiocha, they say the Luo connecting channels are good for yin yang paired channels and organs. I would say this is primarily about connecting yin and yang paired channels just because whenever we look at these pictures, notice there's no organs in this picture. So I would really say that really what's more happening is these little connecting channels branch off and connect to the internal external paired organ. Or sorry, these little connecting channels branch off and connect to the internal external paired channel. But because the channels are connected, that kind of means that the organs are connected indirectly. But basically, what we're saying in here is little connecting channels, what do they connect? They connect yin-yang paired channels and organs. So little connecting channels branch off that the little connecting point, and they travel around and meet their yin-yang pair. So again, each of the 12 channels has its own little connecting channel. Each little connecting channel begins at the little connecting point. So here in our example, the lung, this is lung seven. We have the lung primary channel that comes down and goes into the thumb. Well, at one of those points along the channel, lung seven, this is the Luo connecting point. This is the point where the Luo channel breaks off, separates, and uh, connects to its yin-yang pair, and then proceeds along its own path. So actually, in total, there are 15 
dual connecting channels, one for each of the 12 primary channels, plus we have extra for the ren and do channels, which are extraordinary or which are extra channels that we'll talk about later. And then we actually have an additional low channel called the great rule of the spleen, which kind of wraps around the entire body. So if you ever hear people talk about the 15 network vessels, sometimes we say the 14 channels and the 15 network connecting vessels, and you're like, how did we get with 15? That's just because the 12 primary plus the run and the do plus the great rule of the spleen. And again, that's something we'll get into later when we start going through all of the channels. So those are the Lua connecting channels. This is kind of what they look like. Kind of the takeaway here is each of the 12 channels has a Lua connecting channel that begins at the Lua connecting point. These branch off from the primary channels. They connect to their yin-yang paired channel and then they proceed along their own course. So what do these do for us or what do they do in the body? Well, the Lua connecting channels, number one, balance the yin and yang of the limbs. Like we said, little connecting channels, what do they connect? They connect the yin and yang paired channels. And so when we're looking at a limb, remember we said about the pathways of the channel is we have a yin channel that goes down the arm towards the fingertips, and then we have a yang channel that comes up the arm towards the body. So as, it, as one channel is coming down and the other one comes up, there's a change in polarity. The chi changes from yin to yang. And so we have these yin parts of the limbs and the yang parts of the limb, yin chi and yang chi. And so these little connecting channels balance out that yin and yang in the limbs, just where we have that change in polarity. So that's what one of the things they're doing by connecting is help balancing out yin and yang. We can also say they nourish the superficial and deep areas of the body. So this is kind of weird, but so on the one hand, we can say that low connecting channels are uh, more superficial than the primary channels. They're above the primary channels. So they're nourishing the more superficial levels of the body, the more superficial levels directly above the 12 primary channels. And we can call this area the tso li, the tso li. This refers to the area between the muscles and the skin. It's a little bit more superficial than the 12 primary channels. And this is where the little connecting channels go, nourishing those areas. Small side note here, uh, in Chinese, uh, for pinyin, when you see the letter C, that's pronounced like a T-S, so tsu tsu. Uh, one way you can do it is if you put your hand in front of your face, you should feel air hitting your hand and go tsu, tsu, the air hits your hand. So the point here is when, when you see this term, this is pronounced tso li, tso li. Please do not say ku li. This is the tso li. So we have the low connecting channels, which are slightly more superficial than the primary channels. And these are nourishing those more superficial areas, specifically the area between the skin and muscle, the tso li. Kind of the weird part about this is... Uh, this is not something we necessarily talk about in Deadman or some of the other books, but Machiocha will also talk about there's a deeper aspect of the little connecting channel. So when he says they nourish the superficial and deep areas of the body, this is kind of a Machiocha thing where there's the deep aspect of the little connecting channels that are under the main channels and nourish the, the areas 
under the main channels. So if that's a little bit weird, I'm going to blame that one on Machiocha, but that's something that he talks about in his book, Channel the Channels of Acupuncture. He talks about the deeper aspects of the Lua connecting channels. So that's why he says nourishes superficial and deep areas of the body. But usually when we talk about the Lua connecting channels, we say they're more superficial than the primary channels. The Lua connecting channels also protect the body and circulate defensive chi or wei chi. So this is one aspect of protection of the body. So maybe you remember back in your fundamentals class when we talked about the different types of chi, we said there's yin chi and wei chi, there's nutritive chi or there's construction chi, and then there's defensive chi or wei chi. And so what we said about some of the differences between these two is that the nutritive chi flows inside the channels. And so it can be distributed and, and nourish the various tissues of the body. But the Wei Qi actually flows outside of the channels because the Wei Qi is bold and fierce. So it can't be contained by the primary channels. The Wei Qi, the defensive Qi, actually circulates outside of the primary channels. What do we mean when we say it circulates outside of the primary channels? It's circulating in that soul li space. It's circulating in that area that's governed by the Luo connecting channels. So when we say they protect the body and circulate Wei Qi, that's because the Wei Qi doesn't actually flow in the primary channels. We said in our fundamentals class that the Wei Qi flows outside of the primary channels. And that has something to do with the Luo connecting channels and the soul li spaces. We can also say the low channels warm the muscles, again, because we're uh, nourishing then these areas, uh, the totally space between the muscles and the skin, so we're warming the muscles as well. We can also say the low channels connect the left and right sides of the body. So again, when we talked about the Jing Luo, the channel network or this channel web, we said the Jing, the primary channels, are the up and down channels. But the Luo are the side-to-side -side horizontal channels that form that web across the body. So because the Luo connecting channels are the horizontal channels, that means they have a, this function of integrating or connecting the left and right sides of the body. Luo channels also connect interior to exterior, and this is kind of just because they're a go-between. We said they're they're in that solely space between the skin and the muscles, so they're a little bit more superficial than the primary, but they're a little bit deeper, and so they're kind of a go-between between the interior and exterior. And then again, we say the deep connecting channels play a role in making blood. And again, if you're if you're just following along in Deadman, Deadman doesn't really talk about the deep aspects of the connecting channels. That's just something that uh, comes up in the Machiocha book. So this looks like a lot of functions, and it turns out these functions are all coming from this uh, Machiocha book, The Channels of Acupuncture. Now, I'll be honest, I don't really like this book. 
one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of Machiocha books is he's just he's very verbose. He that's that's a lot of words, but I like to include all this from this book just because I know that some people teach from this book, and so it could be that if you're in one of those situations, sometimes people say you'd have to memorize all of the functions from the Machiocha book. So that's why I like to present it this way. But to me, this is a little bit, mm, it's a bit much. It's a lot of functions. By contrast, if we look at Deadman, he kind of says two things about the little connecting channel. So Deadman, when you look in that introduction section, he's a little bit more concise. Deadman and uh, Maze and Alkafaji are a little bit more concise than Machiocha. So what Deadman says, what Deadman says about the little connecting channels is he basically say they connect internally, externally related paired channels. So uh, each little connecting channel branches off at the little connecting point and it goes and connects to its yin-yang pair. And then these little connecting channels proceed along their own pathway. And this is something important. And this is something we didn't necessarily mention when we went over our Machiocha functions about warming the muscles and circulating the Wei Qi, that besides just connecting to its yin-yang pair, these little connecting channels actually have their own pathway as well. And again, that's going to be important when we start to look at the functions of the points and how we can use these points and channels in treatment. So one example we had was the lung luo connecting channel. And it's, it's kind of hard to see here. It just goes from the wrist and then spreads over the thenar eminence. So we have the lung primary channel that goes down the arm. At this point, lung seven, that's the luo connecting point. At that point, the luo connecting channel branches off from the primary channel. It connects to its yin-yang pair, the large intestine channel, but it also has its own pathway that spreads over the thenar eminence. And what this means is we can use the lung luo connecting channel and the lung luo connecting point to treat disorders of the thenar eminence. Now, I'll be honest, when I was learning points, we, we, we like to talk about the lung lug spreading over the thenar eminence, and I was kind of like, how often does that really come up? Are people actually in clinic treating a lot of thenar eminence pain? And uh, after I got into practice, it turns out, yes, I actually do treat a lot of thenar eminence pain. I have a lot of um, hairstylists that come in that they get pain right in this area. I have... Uh, people who like to garden and use their garden shears and they'll complain of pain in their thenar eminence. Well, it turns out that because I know the pathways of the lower connecting channels, I know that I can use lung 7 to treat this because lung 7 is the lower connecting point and that's where this pathway branches off and spreads over the thenar eminence. So that's why we need to know these pathways. Another example, here we have the large intestine lul connecting channel. Each lul connecting channel begins at its lul connecting point. So this is large intestine six. It first connects to its yin-yang pair, the lung channel. We, we kind of don't draw that part in. We just assume that it's there. So we don't really see a dotted line going to the lung channel, but we know that it's there. But after that, it then, uh, the large intestine little connecting channel goes up the arm, goes to the cheek, and spreads out into the mouth and ear. 
And so this might be really important. Like there was one time I had a patient with trigeminal neuralgia and he had a lot of pain in his teeth. He like wanted to get some pliers and pull out his teeth because he felt like there was something in his teeth. He also had a lot of pain in his ear. He was constantly digging around his ear. He would take a screwdriver and dig around in his ear because he felt like there was something there. Well, I happen to remember that the large intestine lull connecting channel goes up in the arm and spreads into these two areas. So since he was feeling symptoms in these two areas, I needled that point. So that's uh, an example of, it can be important to know the pathways of these lull connecting channels. Here we have another one. This is the liver lull connecting channel. It begins at liver five, the lull connecting point. It branches off from the liver primary channel. It connects to its yin-yang pair, the gallbladder channel, and then it goes up the leg and goes to the genitals. So by knowing the pathway of this channel, we know that liver five can have an effect on the genitals. So like one time I had a patient come in and she was like, my lip is swollen. And I was like, really, which, well, which lip? And she was like, the left one. And so it turns out, uh, this is the point I used. I knew that the liver low channel goes up and goes to the external genitalia. And so that was a point we could use in treatment for swelling and pain of the external genitalia because that's the pathway of the bull connecting channel. So that's kind of what we're doing with the low connecting channels. Um, that's why it's important to know them. And so the gist here is each of the primary channels has its own little connecting channel. This little connecting channel branches off from the primary channel at the little connecting point. Uh, it branches off to its yin-yang pair. So little connecting channels, what do they connect? They connect yin-yang paired channels. And then each little connecting channel then proceeds along its own pathway to an area of the body. And so we can use that in our treatment. So those are the bull connecting channels. So if we go up one step from the lull connecting channels, we're going to more superficial, more towards the surface of the body. Up one step from the lull connecting channel is the sinew channels. The sinew channels or the tendinomuscular meridians. I don't have my cam right here, uh, but I believe cam calls it the tendinomuscular meridians. Uh, Denman calls it the sinew channels. And so the sinew channels are also called the tendinomuscular meridians, depending on which book you read. And uh, so basically, when we say tendinomuscular, these are the tendons and the muscles. These are the sinews, ligaments, tendons, and muscles. Uh, in different areas of the body. So again, each of the 12 channels has its own sinew channel. There's a lung sinew channel, a large intestine sinew channel, a stomach sinew channel, a spleen sinew channel, a heart sinew channel, blah, blah, blah. And so we have these uh, sinew channels and basically they roughly follow the course of their associated primary channels as well as the major muscle groups, uh, tendons and ligaments. So here we have the lung sinew channel. And if you remember what the lung primary channel looked like, this pretty much just looks like the lung primary channel. Maybe a difference with what we could say here is instead of a line, it's more of a broad area because we're again, we're dealing with muscles. We're not dealing with energetic pathways. We're dealing with actual muscles. So they're gonna have a little bit more substance than uh, the other types of channels. So sinew channels, 
each of the 12 primary channels has a sinew channel. And it pretty much looks similar to the primary channel, but it's gonna be uh, larger in diameter, take up more space because they're more substantial. The sinew channels originate at the extremities and ascend towards the head and trunk. And so this is something that's different from the primary channels. Remember with the primary channels, we said they go from chest to hand, hand to face, face to foot, foot to chest. So some channels are flowing down the arm, some channels are flowing up the arm. Some channels are flowing down the leg. Some channels are flowing up the leg. Well, it turns out with the sinew channels, that's not how it works. The sinew channels always start at the fingers and move towards the trunk. The sinew channels start at the toes and move towards the trunk because that's the way it is. We can also notice here that the sinew channels do not connect to organs. So when we look at this picture, there are no organs in this picture. And this is just because we're talking about the muscle layer. The muscles are more superficial. They're just right under the skin. So they're really not deep enough to connect to the organs. The organs exist much deeper in the body. Here we're talking about the more superficial parts of the body. Uh, one of the things we can say is that the sinew channels can reflect disease of the primary channels or they themselves can be injured by trauma or external pathogens. So on the one hand, uh, we said the sinew channels can reflect diseases of the primary channels. And so it may happen that we have something going on in our primary channels and we're gonna feel it in our muscles, tendons, and ligaments. We could have uh, an external wind-cold pathogen that gets into the lung channel or gets into the tie-on channels, and we feel some soreness and heaviness in our muscles because they're being affected by what's going on in the primary channel. And so, again, we can think about this in terms of symptoms or use this diagnostically that if the organ or the primary channel is affected, we might see that reflected in the muscles and tendons or the sinew channels can be damaged directly, either by trauma, I get hit with a baseball and now my shoulder's all sore, or I can have external pathogens lodging in the muscle layer. Um, there are no specific points for the sinew channels. So again, when we look at this picture, there are no points on this picture. So how do we treat the sinew channels? Well, one, we can do needling and do shallow needling, usually on these points where they're tender. We call these assure points. So if you're an observer and you've been in the clinic and you've heard your intern say, oh, I'm gonna needle some assure points, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about we palpate around, we palpate at the muscle level, we palpate at the level of the sinews and look for tender spots. And if there's a spot that's tender, that might be an indication that we wanna stick a needle there. And so it's kind of funny, Asher is actually a, a word that is what it sounds like, onomatopoeia. Asher is an onomatopoeia, so it literally means like an ouch point. If you're palpating around the muscles and sinews and someone is like, ouch, that's a sign that you might wanna stick, stick a needle there. It just turns out apparently in China, instead of saying ouch, when you hit a tender point, they say Asher, and that's an Asher point. 
We can also uh, get to these uh, muscles and tendons through other means. Main one is massage. So instead of sticking needles into the muscles, we can do some knot or do some massage to affect the muscles. Cupping by separating the layers of muscle and fascia can affect the sinew channels. Gua sha, especially if we're doing some cross fiber gua sha scraping, we can affect the sinew channels. And that's what they're good for. And then uh, we can say that sinew channels have certain binding or knotting points along the channels, usually at the major joints. So when we're looking at this picture of the lung sinew channel, you notice at certain places we have darker areas, and that's just, we, we say that the lung sinew channel binds at the wrist or knots at the wrist. The lung sinew channel binds at the elbow or knots at the elbow. And kind of that's just saying that that's where a joint is occurring, that these, these sinews are knotted together to form a joint. And so that's all we mean by that. So when you start studying your channels, we're going to go over the primary channels. We're going to go over the low connecting channels. We're going to go over the sinew channels when we look at our channels and points. So we're going to see that these, uh, these sinew channels bind or not at certain uh, points along that pathway. So what are the functions of these channels? Well, one, the sinew channels protect the body from trauma. Here what we're saying is when we talk about the sinew channels, we're talking about the muscles and tendons and ligaments, and just by virtue of their mass, they're, by virtue of their substance, they're able to protect the body from trauma. So if somebody comes up and punches me in the gut, I can contract my abs and protect my internal organs. If I fall on my side, I have some muscle and sinew that's protecting my body from that injury and trauma. So when you say that sinew channels protect the body, we're talking about this sort of blunt trauma by virtue of their mass and substance. The sinew channels sustain the body in an upright position. I mean, hopefully this is pretty obvious. If you didn't have any muscles or tendons or ligaments, you'd just be all loosey-goosey and you wouldn't be able to stand upright. So these sinew channels sustain the body in the upright position. It could be that when people are experiencing some weakness or as they get older or if they become deficient, they lose this ability to sustain an upright position. That maybe their sinew channels are no longer being properly nourished. They get weak and the person can no longer stay upright. So that's a function of the sinew channels. The sinew channels connect the hundred bones. Again, we're talking about the tendinomuscular meridians or the sinews. What, what do tendons or ligaments connect the bones together? And again, this is a thing in Chinese, uh, just a, a way of phrasing that uh, in Chinese, we tend to use powers of 10 just to mean a lot of things or everything. So when we talk about the 10,000 things, we just mean everything. Uh, but this, this applies to other powers of 10 as well. So when we say Shenong tasted the 100 herbs, we don't mean we tasted exactly 100 herbs. Like, why not 99? Why not 101? When we say Shenong tasted the 100 herbs, we mean he tasted all of the herbs. So here when we say the sinew channels connect the hundred bones. We don't mean that there are exactly 100 bones that are connected by the sinew channels. We mean the sinew channels connect all the bones. So yeah, we're talking about tendons and ligaments. Of course, they connect bones together. They govern the movement of joints and allow the body to move. Again, we're talking about muscles and tendons. Of course, they help the body move. 
They contribute to the integration of the surface of the body to the interior. And again, here we're just saying that they're kind of a go-between between the exterior and the interior. You have your skin on the exterior, your deep channels and organs on the interior. The, the sinew channels are uh, kind of a go-between. And this can be important because the, these can also connect to the deeper levels of the body. So on the one hand, when you go and get some massage, you get some twain-a done. Of course, we can use twain-a to help with uh, neck pain. You have a tight and stiff low back. Of course, we can uh, use twain-a to affect the sinew channels directly. It turns out if you have somebody who's really good at twain-a, there are actually twain-a techniques that we can do twain-a to improve your digestion. And you can say, how can we do that? How can uh, massaging the muscles help with my digestion? Well, it turns out that by affecting or uh, massaging the, the sinew channels, that can affect, can go deeper into the body and actually affect the channels and organs. So we actually can do twin out. We can manipulate the sinew uh, channels in order to have an effect deeper in the body. So that's one of the functions of the sinew channels. Uh, Machiocha says they contribute to the integration between the three yang channels and the three yin channels. When we say the three yang channels, we're talking about tai yang yang ming xiao yang. When we say the three yin channels, we mean tai yin xiao yin jue yin. So the sinew channels are help connecting those things together. And really that's just because the sinew channels have certain overlaps that uh, in these three yang channels, they have uh, the sinew channels have certain points where they overlap. So there's some communication or there's some integration between those channels. And we say that the sinew channels are nourished by the primary channels. Again, these primary channels are distributing qi and blood all over the body. And part of what that means is your qi and blood is nourishing the sinews and Hopefully that would be kind of obvious, but again, we can have uh, other problems that start to pop up if the sinew channels are not being nourished. Um, let's say somebody has a post-stroke condition. They have a stroke. Sometimes what can happen is they can have complete hemiplasia on one side, so they just can't, they're paralyzed, they can't move their arm, they can't move their leg. And so what's happening in that situation is we have a wind pathogen blocking the channels and because there's wind blocking the channels the channels aren't properly nourishing the sinews and so my sinews can't move the hundred joints maybe after a stroke it's really common that people will have a weakness or atrophy or they'll have especially trouble gripping things that's one of a post-stroke thing they have poor grip strength and again they had this stroke that there's some blockage in the channels and they're not getting proper nourishment to their sinew channels, so they don't have the ability to move the joints and have strength. And so that's kind of an important thing. So again, we're talking about these functions of the sinew channels, and again, this is something that uh, we can tell this is from Machiocha because there's a whole lot of them. Uh, Machiocha is very verbose, so whenever we have a whole lot of functions, we know we're, we're reading from a Machiocha book. So those are the functions of the sinew channels. And again, we're basically talking about muscles, tendons, and bones. Each of the 12 primary channels has an associated sinew channel. So lung sinew channel, large intestine sinew channel, stomach sinew channel, and so on. These sinew channels 
kind of look like the primary channel. So if you draw the line of the primary channel, it's very likely the sinew channel is going to look very similar. It's just going to be broader and it's going to include the muscles that are traversed by that primary channel. These sinew channels start at the tips of the fingers and toes, go towards the body. They do not connect to organs and basically they act like muscles, tendons, and ligaments. But it turns out manipulating muscles, tendons, and ligaments is part of what we do as acupuncturists. So we need to have this knowledge in our uh, anatomy. So that was the sinew channels. And again, we're going from, we're going up, so we're going more superficial. So after the sinew channels, one step more towards the surface is the minute collaterals. The minute collaterals. What are the minute collaterals? Well, there's not a whole lot to say of them because we don't really map them. Like with our other channels so far, we said there's something associated with each one. It turns out we don't really name the minute channels. We don't draw pictures of the minute channels. We don't map them out and talk about their pathways. We just know that they're there. So it's not like there's not a lung minute channel. There's not a large intestine minute channel. We just say the minute collaterals, they're there. And what they are is they're like capillaries or small blood vessels. So if you think about your circulatory system, you have uh, large arteries and veins, and then these branch off into arterioles and venules, and then these branch off into either small, even smaller things uh, like capillaries. And so we have these small capillaries that just allow us to get blood to every tissue, to every cell in the body. We have the same thing going on with the channel system, that we have channels that branch out and branch out like little capillaries to supply qi to all of the tissues of the body. And so this is just a way for qi and blood to reach every tissue through these minute collaterals. Again, they're relatively superficial, but we don't really name them, we don't really map them. So we know that they're there, but we don't really talk about them very much. It's just kind of a convenient, that's how the qi and blood gets there. So after the minute collaterals, we go up to the cutaneous regions. Cutaneous means skin. So the cutaneous regions are the most superficial. These are the regions of the skin. So you look at the cutaneous regions. These are really just broad areas. And a lot of times um, we can talk about the cutaneous regions individually or as, in terms of their six division pair. But again, here we have a cutaneous region that's associated with each of the 12 channels. So we have a lung cutaneous region, a large intestine cutaneous region, a stomach cutaneous region, a spleen cutaneous region, and so on. So we can talk about them individually, or here we just say the tie-in cutaneous region. But again, uh, in the upper body, that's the lung cutaneous region, and going down the inside of the leg is the spleen cutaneous region. So again, uh, each of the 12 channels has a cutaneous region and they overlay the primary channel. So again, when we looked at the primary channel of the lung, it kind of went down the arm towards the thumb. When you look at the cutaneous region of the lung channel, kind of covers the same area. So it's an area above the channel, but it's the most superficial part. It's your skin. So uh, what do we need to know about these cutaneous regions? Well, one, external pathogens can penetrate through the skin to the deeper aspects of the channels and organs. So basically the skin is the most superficial layer. 
So this is the way that certain pathogens can get into the body. And if we don't have a good defense system, these pathogens can work their way deeper and deeper into the body until they get to the channels and organs. And this is something we'll talk about when we talk about exterior attacks and uh, the six evils that I know, at least when we talk about the Shanghan Loon and cold damage, we said, Zhong uh, Zhongjing says, cold damage is caused by cold pathogens attacking the body through the skin and muscle layer. Later in the Wen Bing, Ye Tian Shur said that febrile diseases are caused by heat pathogens entering the nose and mouth. But we do have some examples of pathogens entering through the skin or the skin and muscle layer. So the skin, it's your most exterior part. And that's the way the pathogens get in. And like we said with the other ones, cutaneous regions can reflect disorders of their associated channels or organs. So again, this is something that we can palpate or just visually observe these areas on the surface of the skin. So we can palpate for areas of warmth. We can look, is there redness in certain areas? Is, is maybe one area is red or one area is pale or one area is kind of greenish, meaning there's pain. We can look for changes in color. Uh, there, the patient may report some abnormal sensations, maybe some numbness and tingling that goes along in certain areas. So if you have numbness and tingling in certain areas, that may help us diagnose a problem in the associated channel. Even certain skin conditions. So you might have a, a patient that uh, she says, before my period, I break out in certain areas that might uh, I have some breakouts that might clue us in to what channels are affected based on the skin region. So that's why we need to know about these cutaneous regions. And these cutaneous regions also explain how treatments at the skin level can have a, and have a therapeutic effect deeper in the body. So one of the ways this comes up is liniments. We have liniments that we apply to the skin, but they don't just stay at the skin. They can actually penetrate in deeper. We have things like jungu shui, which we can apply to the surface of the skin. But jungu shui means rectify the bone water. And so even though we apply it to the surface of the skin, once it gets on there, the herbs are penetrating deeper into the body and going to the level of the tendons and bones or sometimes even deeper. And so again, it's like the, the skin can be an entry point. It can be an entry point for pathogens to get deeper into the body and cause disease at the level of the channels and the organs. But we can also use this therapeutically by applying certain uh, liniments or doing certain techniques. We can have those herbs penetrate deeper into the body through the skin. So those are the cutaneous regions, the most superficial regions of the body. Again, the, uh, each channel, each primary channel has a cutaneous region associated with it that looks pretty much like the channel itself, just it's a broader area. And uh, this helps us explain certain things about how pathogens get in the body. It helps us explain how tr certain treatment work at the skin level. And we can also use it diagnostically by looking at certain regions of the skin. So after the cutaneous regions, uh, we're at the most superficial level. So we're going to jump back down to the middle where we started with the primary channels, the, uh, the level of the jing or the primary channels. 
And now we're actually going to start to move deeper in the body. So these are the channels that exist below the primary channels or at a deeper level than the primary channels. So we're going to start out with the divergent channels, the divergent channels. So the divergent channels in Chinese, this is the jingbie, the channel divergences or the divergences from the primary channels. So what does it mean to diverge? It means to separate or to branch off. So when we talk about the channel divergences, these are things that branch off or separate from the primary channels. So what that means is each of the 12 primary channels has its own divergent channel. So we have a lung divergent channel, a large intestine divergent channel, a stomach divergent channel, a spleen divergent channel, a heart divergent, and so on. Each channel has its own divergent channel where the it's a channel that splits off and dives deep. And so maybe that's the way you can remember that divergent channels are deeper than the primary channels. We say that divergent channels dive deeper into the body after they separate or diverge from their primary channel. So these divergent channels run deeper than the primary channels. Divergent channels tend to run from the lower part of the body to the upper part of the body. Um, so again, with our primary channels, we had this loop of chest to hand, hand to face, face to foot, foot to chest. So some of the channels ran up the body, some of the channels ran down the body. It turns out divergent channels always run up. So the divergent channels are always going from lower to upper. And what we can say about the divergent channels is generally as we trace along their path, the divergent channels diverge or separate from their primary channel on the limb. So we have the lung channel going down the arm. We have a lung divergent channel that separates from the lung primary channel and goes up. We have a stomach divergent channel that separates from the stomach channel on the leg. Often these divergent channels enter the body cavities and maybe connect to certain tissues or organs. After they dive deep, they then re-emerge, usually around the neck, and then they converge or join or reconnect with the related yang primary channel. And so kind of what we're saying here is uh, we have a large intestine divergent channel. The large intestine channel separates enters the body cavity, uh, messes around with some organs and tissues, then it reemerges and connects to its uh, primary channel. So the large intestine divergent channel then reconnects with the large intestine primary channel. When it's the yin channels, the uh, like the lung channel, it separates, it diverges, it enters deeply into the body, connects to these organs, and then it reemerges. But now it connects not to the lung primary channel, it connects to its yin or its, its yang pair, the large intestine divergent channel and the large intestine primary channel. Um, so everything ends up connecting to a yang channel in the end. So uh, lung connects to large intestine, large intestine connects to large intestine. Stomach connects to stomach, spleen connects to stomach. And so it's always connecting to the yang of the two pair. I feel like all of that was really confusing. So let's see if this makes it simpler. Uh, remember when we, at the beginning, we said that uh, the primary channels, we often use this analogy of water. We said the jing or the primary channels are like rivers. So it turns out that this is a picture of a river. 
if you couldn't tell, I went ahead and put the word river there just so you'd know that this blue thing is a river. So the so we have this river or this primary channel that's flowing uh, kind of near the surface of the body. Well, then the divergent channel is kind of like an underground passageway that diverges or separates or veers off from the river. It dives deep, it uh, connects to some stuff, and then it re-emerges. So we have this river is the primary channel, but then we have this other passageway that separates from the main river or separates from the primary channel. It dives deep and then enters some of these deeper levels of the body, and then it re-emerges, it comes back up from those deep levels, and then it converges or reconnects with the primary channel. And we just have to know that it's reconnecting with its yang paired channel. Uh, and so maybe this was not a, not a great example because this, this river is running horizontally, but we know that in the body, the, the primary channels run vertically up and down and our divergent channels start at the bottom and go upwards towards the face. So if we look at a, an example in the body, we're going to kind of have to flip this river on its side and we get something that looks like this. This is the stomach divergent channel. So the stomach divergent channel starts or separates from the primary channel on the limb. It starts in the lower body and moves towards the upper body. So divergent channels always move upwards towards the head and face. So here we say the stomach uh, divergent channel, it separates from the stomach primary channel on the thigh. It separates or diverges on the thigh. We don't say exactly where, we just say somewhere on the thigh. It then enters the abdomen. It enters the body cavities and it connects to these deeper tissues and organs. Uh, in this case, it's connecting to its own organ and its yin-yang pair, the stomach and spleen, but it's also connecting to the heart. So it's connecting to other organs and tissues. Then it re-emerges or reappears or comes back up from the deep. It emerges at the neck and then it converges or rejoins the stomach primary channel. So here we don't have it pictured, but there's a stomach primary channel that runs up the leg and somewhere as it's running up on the leg, when we get to the thigh, there's an extra little channel that separates out, goes deeper into the body cavities and then pops up and reappears and then goes back to the stomach primary channel. So why do we need to know this? Why is this important? Well, Let's look at this. Uh, this what do the divergent channels do? Number one, they strengthen the relationship between yin-yang paired channels and organs. So on the one hand, we're strengthening the relationship between yin and yang paired channels because we said that every divergent channel connects to its yang pair. So that's the way that the lung connects to the large intestine is it converges or rejoins with the large intestine channel. So we have this connection between yin and yang paired organs or yin and yang paired channels. But we can also see that some of these divergent channels also connect to organs. So in the case of the stomach, it connects to the stomach and the spleen. So it's strengthening the relationship between yin and yang paired organs. The divergent channels also distribute qi and blood to the head and face. What we said about these divergent channels is they start uh, in the lower body or they start in the limbs and they all move upwards towards the face. 
whether we're talking about the arm, it might diverge or separate on the arm, but it moves upward towards the head and face. It might diverge or separate on the leg, but it moves upward towards the head and face, like we see in this picture. So that's a way that we get chi and blood to the head and face. Another thing we can say is these divergent channels connect to areas that are not connected by the primary channels. So in terms of making con connections that, yes, we have the primary channels and we have these internal pathways of the primary channels that connect different tissues and organs, but now we just have a, an, another system, another backup of divergent channels that are connecting tissues and organs, and maybe it's connecting things that weren't connected by the primary channels. And so this brings us to the next one is really what we're doing here is this allows us to explain the functions of certain acupuncture points that we otherwise would not be able to. So if we take an example here, this is this picture here, this very well-drawn, very artistic, very beautiful picture here is a representation of the stomach divergent channel. So it turns out when later when we get to the, the channels and points and we go over the point functions, we're gonna see that there are certain points on the stomach channel that can affect the heart. We have points like stomach 40 is very good for calming the shen, especially if the heart is being misted by phlegm. If we have phlegm misting the heart orifices, one, one point we might be able to go to is stomach 40 on the leg. But if we were just looking at the primary channel, if we only looked at the stomach primary channel, we'd be like, wait a minute, the stomach primary channel doesn't go to the heart. How is it that stomach 40 can have an effect on the heart when the stomach primary channel does not connect to the heart organ? Well, the answer is we have a stomach divergent channel that does connect to the heart. And so that's why stomach 40 can, uh, can help calm the shen is because there is a pathway from stomach 40 up to the heart just has to separate, it has to dive deep and go down that little passageway of the divergent channel in order to get there. So this is a way we can explain certain functions of the acupuncture points. Uh, maybe another example is there's a very famous point on the urinary bladder channel, bladder 57 or UB57, has a very famous action of treating hemorrhoids. And so UB57 is good for hemorrhoids. But if we look at the pathway of the bladder channel, of the UB channel, if we just looked at the pathway, even if we looked at the internal pathway, we'd be like, wait a minute, how is it that the UB channel can treat hemorrhoids? It actually doesn't go to that area. Well, it turns out the UB primary channel does not go to that area, but the UB divergent channel does wind around the anus. And that's why we can use UB57 to treat hemorrhoids. So these are ways that we can explain the functions of certain acupuncture points that we wouldn't really be able to explain otherwise, but we know that they can do these things because of the pathways of the divergent channels. So at least when we go through channels and points for now, that's what we're going to focus on is how we can use these divergent channels to explain the functions of certain points. Later in life, like two years from now, one or two years from now, we'll talk about what it means for the divergent channels themselves to become diseased. We'll talk about how we can use the divergent channels in treatment. We'll talk about certain points that connect to the divergent channels that we can use when, when those divergent channels become diseased. But that comes later. 
For now, mostly when we talk about the divergent channels, this is a way that we can explain why the points do what they do. So those are the divergent channels. Remember, divergent channels dive deep. So the divergent channels are deeper than the primary channels, but each of the 12 channels does have its own divergent channel that dives deep, enters the deeper levels of the body, and then reemerges and reconnects with its yang paired channel. So those are the divergent channels. If we go one step deeper, we get into the eight extraordinary channels. And these are our deepest of the mapped channels, the eight extraordinary channels. And I'll be honest, these are kind of weird. So when we talk about the eight extraordinary vessels, it turns out we're talking about something completely different. First of all, there are eight of them. These are separate from the primary channels. So with our other channels that we were talking about, we when we talked about the sinew channel, we said each of the primary channels has its own sinew channel. So there's a lung sinew channel, a large intestine sinew channel, a stomach sinew channel, so on. We talked about the low connecting channels. Each of the 12 channels has its own low connecting channel, lung low, large intestine low, stomach low, spleen low, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when you talk about divergent channels, each of the 12 channels has its own divergent channel. The eight extraordinary vessels are completely different. It's not like there's a lung eight extraordinary or a large intestine eight extraordinary. The eight extraordinary channels are completely different. They have their own names and it turns out they are not associated with the 12 primary channels. So when we look at the eight extraordinary channels, the Chinese here is qi jing ba mai. Qi jing ba mai. So what does this mean? Well, jing, like we said, means channel. Like we talked about the jing luo, the jing are the channel. Mai actually means vessel. So we can talk about this like in terms of blood vessel. Mai means vessel. Uh, mai can also mean pulse. When you get into your pulse diagnosis, you'll see the term mai a lot, like fu mai is the floating pulse and so on. But here, mai can mean pulse, but it also means vessel. Ba means eight. What's interesting here is the word qi. Qi means weird or odd or singular, or I guess we could say extraordinary. But so that's why I say the eight extraordinary vessels, but really this is the eight weird channels, the eight odd channels, the eight singular channels. So these are the weird channel eight vessels. And so when we say these are the weird vessels, what makes them weird? What makes them odd? Well, if you if you go download the slides, you can probably read this. This is actually chapter 27 of the Nanjing. Uh, so these eight extraordinary channels show up in chapters 27, 28, and 29 of the, the Nanjing. And so that's kind of what they're asking here is these eight channels, we say they're the eight weird channels, the eight odd channels, the eight extraordinary channels. What makes them weird? Well, first of all, the thing that makes them weird or makes them odd or extraordinary is that these eight channels are not touched by the 12 primary channels. These eight channels are outside the flow of the 12 primary channels. So when we talked about the primary channels, you said the primary channels go in a big circuit, lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, heart, SIUB, kidney, pericardium, sandra, gallbladder, liver, and then back to lung. And they circulate in this big loop. It turns out the eight extraordinary channels are not a part of that circuit. The eight extraordinary channels are not touched by that circuit of qi. So that's why we call them the weird channels, the odd channels, or the extraordinary channels. 
And then it goes on to ask, it's like, well, what do these do? How do how can we visualize or how can we explain these eight extraordinary channels? And so, so the Nanjing says, it is like this. The sages of antiquity uh, developed and constructed ditches and reservoirs. And so it's basically saying that, remember when we talked about the Jing Lu, we said uh, we could talk, we could think of them as rivers, or you can also think of them as like irrigation ditches. If you're trying to irrigate your fields, you dig some ditches. And so the water can go through and provide nourishment and water to the fields, just like the channels provide chi and blood to the organs and tissues. So they said in the past, yeah, we had these sages in the past that would dig out irrigation ditches so that we could water our crops. But sometimes what would happen is if you had a big rain that came down from the mountains, it could flood the fields and it could overflow the irrigation ditches. So the sages being wise, what they did is they dug out great reservoirs so that in the case of this great rain, these reservoirs were there to accept the surplus. And so that's what we're saying about uh, what it says over here is that uh, in times like that, when the floods uh, rushed wildly, even the sages could not make plans here in Orism when the network vessels are overflowing. None of the main channels could, that's too strong for me, could uh, receive any of the content, contents. And so the eight extraordinary channels are like reservoirs to accept the surplus. So that's what we're talking about, the eight extraordinary channels. It turns out there are eight of them. Each of them has names like the Ren, the Du, the Chong, the Dai, Yin Chao, Yang Chao, Yin Wei, and Yang Wei. These are the eight extraordinary vessels that are completely separate from the 12 primary channels. Now, the annoying thing about anything that happens in Chinese and Chinese medicine is it turns out we have these uh, Chinese terms, but every book likes to translate these differently. So for the, the Ren channels, we'll sometimes call that the conception vessel, the controlling vessel, or the directing vessel, depending on which book we're, we're reading. Du, we can say governing. Chong is penetrating. The daimai is the one that actually goes horizontally, so we call this the girdle vessel or the belt vessel because it goes across like a belt. Yin chao, yang chao, we can say yin motility or yin stepping, yang motility, yang stepping. I think I've heard some people say the yang heel or yin heel. Yin wei and yang wei, we just say linking. So this is kind of an annoying thing that you can have three different textbooks and each book will translate these terms differently. That's why I prefer just to use the Chinese terms. And again, later on down the line, we'll talk about uh, the more specifics of these eight extraordinary channels. So each of the eight extraordinary channels has its own pathway. Each of the eight extraordinary channels has symptoms related to it that we can talk about when the eight extras get diseased, what kind of symptoms do we see? And if one of those eight extras is diseased, how do we treat it? What kind of points can we use to treat the eight extraordinary channels? That's not something we're going to talk about right now. That's something that comes after we learn all the channels and points. Then we can get into those kind of deeper concepts of how do we treat the divergent channels? How do we treat the eight extras? For now, we're just kind of introducing some terms so that you have a general concept of what this channel system looks like. And so when these words come up later, you'll have some idea that you know what they mean. But those are details we'll get into later. So just 
be patient and, and don't worry about it too much for now because when you get there, it might be a little bit complicated. So we can, we can be glad that we're not, uh, we're not there yet. So what, what do the eight extraordinary vessels do? And so we said that these are eight extraordinary or weird or odd channels that are outside the flow of the 12 primary channels. So that flow of lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen, heart, SI, UB, kidney, pericardium, sandra, gallbladder, liver, all the way back to lung, these eight vessels are outside of that flow. These vessels branch off of the prime channel and interlink the primary channels to each other. Yes, that's... What does that really mean? Um... Really, I think here there's a good analogy if we again look at our Wang Ju Yi applied channel theory. Wang Ju Yi applied channel theory. It turns out he does have a chapter sort of going over some of these uh, ways we can think about the eight extraordinary channels. And I really like the analogy that he uses that he says the eight extras are like they're not like rivers. They don't flow like rivers. When we, when we talked about the, the primary channels, we said they're like ditches or like rivers, and there's water flowing, sometimes flowing rather swiftly through these rivers. The eight extras are not like rivers. They're more like swamps or lakes or groundwater. So there is some movement there, but it's not like a rushing river. It's more like an ebbing and flowing or tides or that come and go like that. And so maybe we can think of the primary channels are like the rivers that flow kind of more on the surface. The eight extras are more like the underground water, the, the water table that exists underground at the very deep levels, but is also connected to those rivers. So we can have uh, one river over here and one river over here, but they share a common water table. They share a common underground water, and that's how they're kind of linked and connected. So this kind of links and connects the channels to each other, but not in the way that like one river connects to another river, more that the way that the groundwater can connect two bodies of water. So that's what we're thinking about with the eight extra channels. But again, this is a really good analogy that uh, Wang Ji uses in his, his book, so I definitely recommend getting this book. Um, it's really good for a lot of different things, but it does have a chapter on the eight extras that kind of that might make it a little bit more clear. Another thing we can say about the eight extraordinary channels is, by and large, they do not have their own points. The two exceptions to this, because this is Chinese medicine and there are always exceptions, the two exceptions to this are the Ren and Du channels. So the Ren and Du channels do have their own points. There's a Ren 1, Ren 2, Ren 3, Ren 4, Ren 5. And on the Du channel, there's a Du 1, Du 2, Du 3, Du 4, Du 5. The Ren and Du channels have their own points. The other channels do not have their own points. So when we look at uh, our other channels like uh, the Yin Chao, there's no such thing as Yin Chao 1, Yin Chao 2, Yin Chao 3. Those are not real points. The Dai Mai, there's no such thing as Dai 1, Dai 2, Dai 3. Those are not real points. Uh, these other channels, the Chong, the Dai, the Yin Chao, Yang Chao, Yin Wei, Yang Wei, they do not have their own points. Instead, they share points with the other channels. And because of this, but because the, the Ren and Du are different, because they're different in that they have their own points, sometimes when we're talking about doing acupuncture, we talk about the 14 channels. So if you ever see hear somebody talk about the 14 channels, what they mean is the 
12 primary channels plus the ren and the do. So sometimes we'll say the 14 channels and the 15 network vessels. Well, there are 14, the 12 primary plus the ren and do, and then there are 15 low channels. We add on the great low of the spleen. So that's those are the exceptions are the ren and the do do have their own channels. Sorry, the ren and do do have their own points, but the other ones don't have their own points. They just share them with the other channels. So for example, here we have the yin wei or the yin linking vessel. Uh, it starts near the foot and it goes up towards the face. So pretty much all of the eight extraordinary channels start in the lower body and again move upwards towards the face. The one exception is the daimai which wraps around, but all the other ones start at the bottom and go upwards towards the face. There are no extraordinary channels on the arms. So we might see some pathways on the leg. We're never going to see an eight extraordinary channel on the arm. So they might start at the leg, but then they go upwards towards the face. And again, they're not part of a flow. So the other ones, the other channels we could say, we say they're part of the flow of chest to hand, hand to face, face to foot, foot to chest, and they go around in a circle. That's not true with the eight extraordinary channels. It starts at the leg, goes up to the face, and stops. There's no circuit. There's no flow. This is not like a big water pipe system. This is more like a swamp or groundwater that exists deep below the surface. But it turns out that these, uh, like we said, these don't have their own points. So when you look at the yin linking vessel, we can kind of needle into it, but we're borrowing points from other channels. So we could say that the yin linking vessel, if we wanted to connect the dots, we'd say, oh, kidney 9 is a point on the yin wei ma. Spleen 12 and spleen 13 are points on the yin wei ma. Liver 14, ren 22, ren 23. So we're borrowing points from other channels in order to have an effect on the yin, the yin linking vessel. So that's what we mean when we say these don't have their own points. We still have points that are associated with them, but they're kind of borrowed from the primary channels because we know that they can have an effect on these deeper levels. So what are the functions of these eight extraordinary channels, the qi jing ba mai? One, like we said, they act as reservoirs of qi and blood. So um, this is what we said that was in that chapter 27 of the Nanjing, like reservoirs during a heavy rain when qi and blood of the primary channels overflows, the eight extraordinary channels are there to accept the surplus. So then one of the things we can say about these, um, you know, these are reservoirs that are accepting the surplus. There are certain practitioners who will say that because these eight extras are like our reservoirs, not only do they accept the surplus when the primary channels overflow, we can actually draw on these reservoirs in times of deficiency. So it's like, yeah, when we had a big rain, the, the ditches were overflowing. We collected all this water in the reservoir. But now if we don't have rain, if we have a drought, we can pull that water back up and use it to irrigate our fields. So there are some practitioners who say we can use the eight extras this way, that if we have a deficiency in the primary channels, we can draw from those reservoirs to help tonify. As far as I know, I've never, I've never actually seen this in a book or seen it classically, but that is something that I've uh, seen modern practitioners do. So 
that would be something that you would have to go to someone who's a little bit more of an expert in the eight extras. Um, I don't know a whole lot about that. As far as I know, uh, usually when we talk about the eight extras as reservoirs, we're talking about accepting the surplus. The extra link the primary channel. So we said they link and connect the primary channels. But again, this is not like a direct pathway when we talked about uh, little connecting points linking the channels or anything like that. Here we can kind of think of this as like the deep underground water that is kind of a underlies all of the rivers. So, but they do link the primary channels. So, so maybe you can think of, uh, Say you had one river and somebody dumped some toxic waste in one river and then a couple miles over you see you do some tests on the water and you see this uh, chemical has shown up in the other river. How did it get there? Well, the, the rivers weren't necessarily connected, but it could be that something uh, when they dumped this toxin, it seeped into the groundwater and it very slowly made its way through diffusion over to the other river and then popped up in the other river. So we can have the same thing happening in terms of the primary channels, that we can have a pathogen getting into one channel and it can get into that groundwater, the reservoirs, the eight extra, and kind of pop up in another channel. But we, that also means we can use that in terms of treatment as well to affect the, the we can affect many rivers by affecting that groundwater. Protect the body and circulate Wei Qi. There it comes up again. Uh, the, we're specifically talking about the Ren, the Du, and the Chong. Circulate defensive chi over the chest, abdomen, and back, protecting them from pathogens. So the Ren channel goes up the midline in the middle. The Du channel goes up the midline on the back. The Chong goes up pretty much in the middle and then kind of spreads out. So here we're talking specifically about Wei Qi uh, over those areas, chest, abdomen, and back. So that's, that is one function of the extra, specifically the Ren, Du, and Chong, maybe not all eight of them. And then we say they regulate the seven and eight year cycles of women's and men's lives. So maybe you talked about this in your fundamentals class, but uh, remember, I think this is in the first chapter of the Nanjing in the, in the Su Wen. It comes up very early on where we talk about uh, these life cycles going in seven and eight year periods. And if you read through it, it's really depressing. It's like when you're 35 years old, when you're at seven times five, your yang ming dries out, your teeth fall out, your hair falls out, and you're basically uh, falling apart at seven times five. Well, anyway, with, um, with women, we said it goes in seven-year cycles, seven, 14, uh, 21, 28, 35. In men, we go in eight-year cycles, Um and it's the eight extras that kind of regulate those cycles. And again, this has to do with the ren, the du, and the chong are linked with the kidneys and kidney essence. So this kind of growth and development has to do with kidney essence. And um, uh, then when you get old and you start to fall apart, that's because you have waning of kidney essence. And so because the ren, the du, and the chong are linked to the kidneys, we can say the eight extraordinary channels are also have something to do with the seven and eight year cycles. So those are the eight extraordinary channels. And there are certain ways we can treat these eight extraordinary channels as well. We talk about uh, master and couple points, I think is the term Machiochi uses, or Deadman says confluent points, I believe. But it turns out there are distal points on the primary channels 
that can have an effect on the eight extraordinary channels. So if we had something going on in the REN channel, we could affect the REN channel by needling lung seven and kidney six, and that will affect the lung channel, the REN channel. For, for the do channel, if somebody, oh, they have some, some back pain, their back isn't so great, well, we know that the do channel goes up the spine. If we wanted to treat the do channel, we could use SI3 and UB62 to strengthen the do channel and help that person with their weak spine. So, again, this is something that we'll get into later. This is something that comes later after you've already learned the 12 uh, primary channels of how do we uh, treat these eight extraordinary channels directly. For now, maybe a way we can think of this is, again, this is going to be a way to explain certain functions of the points on the primary channel. Here we can use an example of the REN channel in lung seven. When we get into our channels and points and when we start looking at the points on the lung channel and when we get to lung seven, we're gonna look at the functions and indications of lung seven. It turns out lung seven is really good for releasing the exterior. Lung seven is really good for opening the nose and that all makes sense because those are functions of the lung. It turns out you're gonna get to a function that says lung seven is really good for like menstruation issues. Lung seven is really good for fertility and lung seven is really good for regulating the uterus and the lower jaw. And you're going to be like, how, how does that happen? I mean, the lung channel doesn't really go to the lower jaw or the uterus. The lung channel doesn't have anything to do with the blood or menses. The lung, there's no reason the lung should have any effect on fertility. Well, it turns out the reason lung seven has this function is because it's the master point of the REN channel, the conception vessel. So the REN channel does go to the lower jaw. The REN channel does go to the uterus. And you can use the REN channel to treat fertility or menstruation issues. And so that's how we can explain the functions of lung seven, not through its primary channel, not through its internal pathway, not through its divergent channel, but through its association with one of the eight extraordinary channels. So that's what uh, kind of what we're gonna look at for now. So when we go through our 12 channels and we go through the functions and indications of the points on the 12 channels, this is where it's gonna be a little bit more relevant. Later on down the line, we'll talk about what happens when the eight extraordinary channels are diseased. What happens if we have some evil that penetrates into the yin chow mai? What does that look like and how do we treat it? That comes later. For now, we just wanna know that these eight extraordinary channels exist. They are at the very deepest levels of the body. They are completely separate from the 12 primary channels. They are not part of that flow and that they act as reservoirs of chi and blood. And sometimes we'll use points that have an effect on them. That's what we need to know for now. If we wanna treat them directly, we'll get to that later. And then I always like including, this is another passage from uh, chapter 28 of the Nanjing. And it says, when the single conduit vessels, this is, uh, at least in the first edition, this is Paul Unschuld's translation of the Qijing Bama. He calls them single conduit vessels, meaning that they're not part of this big circuit. They're not part of the uh, big conduit of 12. They're single conduit vessels. Anyway, when the single conduit vessels receive evil chi which stagnates in them, swelling and heat will result. In this case, 
one has to hit them, uh, one has to hit the respective vessel with a sharp stone. So I, I just always thought that was kind of funny when it's like, oh, you got some heat in your eight extraordinary channels. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Should we do needles? Should we do massage? Should we do gua sha? And it's like, no, we have to hit the patient with a sharp stone. I just thought that was kind of funny. It turns out that this is actually when they say hit with a sharp stone. Uh, really what they were talking about is one of the traditional needles using it as a lance and using it basically prick to bleed. That basically these eight extraordinary channels are so deep that if we want to release that heat, we actually have to do a prick to bleed and release some blood. I think that's what they were talking about. Not that you should get a rock and hit someone over the head, although that actually sounds more exciting. So those are the eight extraordinary channels. Again, uh, we don't need to know a whole lot about these. If you're really confused about these, that's okay. We'll get into more signs and symptoms, diagnostic treatments, stuff like that later in life. For now, we just need to know that these eight extraordinary channels exist. They exist at the deepest level. They're lower than even the divergent channels. They're, they're very deep in the body. They act like reservoirs, or could say they act like groundwater underneath the rivers. And, um, and then uh, there are eight of them. And, that's some, and then we'll get into later that they don't have their own points, that they borrow points from the other channels. And that's kind of all we need to know about for now. And we just like to mention them now because, again, when we get into the functions of the actual points, sometimes when we get to lung 7, we're going to say uh, lung 7 is the master point of the Renmai. We kind of need to have some idea what that means. And so when we look at lung 7, we're going to say, oh, it's really good for fertility issues or menstruation issues. That's because it's a master point of one of the eight extras. When you get to SI3, it's going to be really good for things like back pain or uh, stuff happening on the back of the neck. Um, and that's because it's the master point of the do chant, the do mine. And so that's kind of all we need to know for now. More complicated stuff we'll get into later. And so th those are the eight extraordinary channels. Technically, we can go one level deeper to the deep pathways. But really, these deep pathways are just not mapped. It's kind of what we're kind of saying in here is we recognize that there are other pathways that are deeper even than the eight extraordinary channels. But again, we don't name them. We don't map them. We don't have points. But we just we kind of recognize that there's still more going on deeper in the body and that it's very mysterious. So... These are our secondary channels, again, from uh, superficial to deep. Cutaneous is the skin regions, the most superficial. Uh, these are just areas of the skin, or we could say they're like dermatomes, uh, areas of the skin that are above the primary channels. And so we have a lung cutaneous region, a large intestine cutaneous region, and so on. Minute collaterals are just more like capillaries. Uh, we don't name them. We don't map them. We're just acknowledging that there's these small capillaries that are there to provide chi and blood to every tissue in the body. The sinew channels or the tendinomuscular meridians are the muscles, tendons, and ligaments. And again, these generally follow the course of the primary channel. So we have a lung sinew channel that looks a lot like the lung primary channel. We have a large intestine sinew channel that looks more or less like the large intestine channel. And these are like your muscles. They protect you from getting injured. They connect your bones together and form the joints. They help you move around and help you stay upright. 
but they can be damaged directly in the cases of injury and trauma or in the cases of an external pathogen, or they can reflect things that are going on deeper in the body, that if we have some pathogen in the organ or some pathogen in the channel, we might feel that in our sinew channel. Lull connecting channels, what do lull connecting channels connect? They connect yin and yang paired channels. So each of the 12 primary channels has a lull connecting channel. This lull connecting channel starts at the lull connecting point. It branches over and connects to its yin-yang paired channel or its internally externally related channel and then it spreads or proceeds along its own pathway and usually spreads across areas. So those are the lull connecting channels. They're the horizontal channels. The primary channels are the jing. They go up and down. There are main channels, but we should also pay attention to the internal pathways of these channels. So we have superficial or external pathways, and that's where the points are. That's where we stick the needles. But we also have internal pathways. Divergent channels dive deep. They separate from the primary channels. They enter the body cavities. They move around in the organs and tissues. Then they re-emerge, usually on the neck, and they reconnect to their young paired channel. The divide, divergent channels dive deep. And the eight extraordinary channels are weird. They're the eight weird channels, the eight odd channels. They exist outside the flow of the 12 channels. And they, they have their own names. They don't necessarily have their own points. And they're weird. So we can talk about them more later in life. The deep pathways are just to acknowledge that there are deeper aspects of the body that we don't talk about. So again, let's go over the functions of the channels and see that see if these functions make any more sense or see if we can uh, tell where certain channels contribute to these functions. So first we said that the channels connect the body, balance and harmonize the various aspects of the body, render the body an integrated whole. So we have all these separate parts. We all have all these tissues. We have ligaments, bones, blood vessels. We have fluids like blood and uh, fluids. We have organs, yin organs, yang organs. But, but the channels serve as a way to connect and integrate all of these separate parts, like the fiber optic cable that connects us and gives us the world wide web of chi. So what did we see here? How did these different channels contribute to this? Well, again, we talked about the, the primary channels. Those have the points, but they also have internal pathways that connect to the organs. So when we talk about connecting the body, uh, we talked about the internal pathway connects yin and yang paired organs. Sometimes we have additional organs that these internal pathways connect to. So they connect the organs that way. They connect the channels to the organs that way. Harmonizing the body. We had um, the Lowell connecting channels. We said they harmonize the yin and yang in the limbs where you have the change of polarity. The Lowell connecting channels by connecting yin and yang paired channels, they help harmonize with that. We talk about connecting left and right sides of the body. We said the Lowell connecting channels are horizontal, so they connect left and right sides of the body. We said that the eight extraordinary channels, the daimai, connects left, right, and sides of the body because it's like a belt or a girdle. 
Uh, we can connect the channels to each other through the eight extraordinary vessels. The eight extraordinary vessels are like that groundwater that kind of seep below, and so those link all of the primary channels. We can connect above to below, but the divergent channels start at the bottom and go up. The eight extraordinary channels start at the bottom and go up, so we're connecting above and below. So all of these channels contribute in different ways to connecting, balancing, and harmonizing the various aspects of the body. And that includes just the, the channels themselves connecting interior to exterior, that things go through the skin to the muscles to the channels to the organs, uh, connecting interior to exterior through this channel system. So in terms of that, all of our channels are doing some work there. Circulate qi and blood to nourish the body. Again, we have all these different pathways that are circulating qi and blood to various parts of the body. We have things like the minute collaterals that are like branching off more superficially to get the, the more superficial levels of the body. Uh, we had internal pathways of the, the jing, the primary channels that they're not just going on the limbs. They also have internal pathways that circulate uh, more on the interior. We had divergent channels that separate off and dive deep to get to those deeper aspects. We had uh, the low connecting channels going through that soul-li space between the muscles and skin, circulating wei qi. So again, all of those channels are contributing to this function of circulating qi and blood to nourish the body. The channels protect the body. Here we are talking specifically about a few things. We can talk about protecting the body from blunt trauma, and that's what the sinew channels do. The sinews, the muscles, by virtue of their substance and mass, basically, they act as some padding. So if you experience some blunt trauma, those sinew channels will absorb some of that impact. But when we said protecting the body, we, that also meant protecting the body from exterior pathogens that are trying to get into the body. So one of the main things we talked about was the law connecting channels circulating the Wei Qi through that soul-li space. That the nutritive Qi goes inside the channels, the Wei Qi is circulating outside the channels, and we associate that with the law connecting channels. And I think we also said the eight extraordinary channels also help with some circulation, specifically along the trunk, along the abdomen, and on the back, because that's where the ren, the du, and the chong go. So those also have some action of protecting the body. So again, we have a couple different types of channels that are involved in this function of protecting the body. How about responding to dysfunction in the body? Again, we have a lot of uh, channels that will do that, but we talked about the cutaneous regions. The skin regions, if there's some dysfunction, even if it's happening deeper in the body, it might show up on the skin. We might observe changes in color. We might feel changes in temperature. The patient might have uh, weird sensations like t numbness or tingling or other sensations on the skin in certain areas. And, that, and they're feeling that because they have some dysfunction somewhere else in the body. We also talked about this with the sinew channels can also respond to dysfunction. If we have something going on deeper in the body, we might feel it in the muscles and tendons. We might uh, get some attack and we're like, oh, we feel sore, we feel achy, things like that. The, that's the sinew channels responding to that dysfunction. And they transmit qi to the diseased area. And basically this is something that all of the channels do to some extent. Uh, that we have this network system that goes all over the body, and um, that's what we're doing 
as acupuncturists. And again, what this means is we can rely on various different treatment modalities in order to run a treatment. So we can do stuff on the skin. We can apply liniments topically to the skin, and that will get in deeper to the body. We can do twain not just twain for muscular complaints, but we can do twain to affect the interior of the body because the sinew channels are connected to the interior. We can do cupping, gua sha, we can do needling. We have all these different things we can do because the system is connected by these channels. So those are our secondary channels, and this kind of gives us a lay of the land in terms of our channel system. All of these are very important in our understanding of anatomy and physiology according to TCM and according to the channel system. And again, for now, we can dive much deeper into these. We can go into much more detail on these. But for now, this is really just going to help us as we go through in the next couple weeks, as we start to get into our uh, functions and indications of the points, having an understanding of these secondary channels is going to help us have a deeper understanding of what the points do, what, how we can use them in treatment, and how we can use them to heal our patients. We need to have an understanding of these secondary channels in order to do that. So that's where we're going with that. And that is all for today. Again, if you want to download these lecture slides, those are available on the website, tcmstudy.net, under the Introduction to Acupuncture uh, section. As always, thank you to the Patreon members for supporting the website, the channel, and everything we do here. Basically, these videos are brought to you for free and ad-free, thanks to the support of viewers like you. So we really appreciate those people who donate either by joining the Patreon, giving a one-time donation, or through other ways of purchasing the courses or purchasing merchandise. We just made some more t-shirts and stuff like that. So those are some ways that you can support the website and support the channel. I know I've been a student and I know that not everybody has great finances when they're going through school. So also just liking this and sharing this is another good way to support the channel. That's all I have for now. I'm tired. Go away and leave me alone, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for being here.